Acts chapter dose. I want to continue today in this series we've been on the last few weeks. It is called Let's Get Together. I'm told there's a song about that. I mean, not the song that we played in week one, but another one. Anybody know it? <laughs> That's the one. I don't really know it, but I've heard it, heard of it, heard of it somewhere. It's back there. So sing that afterwards on your own, please. Uh, in the shower, I don't know, wherever it sounds good. Acts chapter 2, this is the early church, of course, Acts chapter 2, verse 1, you know, talks about the day of Pentecost, this is the outpouring of the Spirit, and uh, good things were happening, I mean, not only with that 120, but then, of course, those guys filled with this, they came stumbling out of the upper room, drunk on the Holy Ghost, right, and uh, they, they, they came out in the street, and then the Spirit of God came on Peter, and he started preaching, and 3,000 people got saved. I mean, it was nice. And here's what they did, though. Here's what they did after they got saved. Verse 42, they, And they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and fellowship in the breaking of bread and in prayers. So they didn't stop and say, I'm saved, I'm going to heaven, everything's good now. No, they continued in these healthy aspects that produced dynamic responses and explosive growth in the early church. They didn't just sit back and watch. They continued in some vital practices. Okay? The, the New International Version reads, They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, to the breaking of bread, and to prayer. And so they were absolutely committed on a personal level to these elements being in their lives. And the one we're zeroing in on in this series is the word fellowship, okay? They not only committed themselves to, you know, vital things that we all recognize as being spiritual, like prayer and being in the Word, but they committed themselves to another highly spiritual act called fellowship, all right? This word, like we've told you in the weeks past, is um, translated from a word that means a sharing in common, okay? Partnership, participation. It, it is also translated as contribution, communion, distribution, and communication. So this is the, the element. This, these are the, this can kind of give us a picture of what they said is very important, and we are devoting ourselves to this practice in our lives. All right. For us to then look at that and say, well, all I want is, or all I need, I'll, all I'll participate in is just whatever, X, Y, Z, these elements, but we don't follow this pattern, well, we might not have the same results that they had. Okay, These are valuable, Spirit-inspired um, practices that we can and all ought to have in our lives. All right, might look different in different people's lives that you know there's some different outworkings of this but they need to be present for us to have this result Uh, the 46th verse continues this way so continuing daily with one accord in the temple 
and breaking bread from house to house, they ate their food with gladness and simplicity of heart, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to the church daily those who were being saved. Praise God. And so, uh, so this was a, a habitual practice. The results were people were getting saved by the droves. They walked in one accord. How many think it's important to be in unity? Huh? How many know it's a lot easier to be in unity when you look people in the eye than when you just hear about what they said and what they did from afar? It's like now, nowadays in the age of, uh, age of the Internet, and every article or everything that's put out there has comment section, it seems. And people just fight and are mean, and they say all kinds of things they would never say, say to someone's face. They would. They just feel this freedom just to blast and rip because they're anonymous, and they can just let their flesh dominate them and say all kinds of things. How, how many have ever had a thought, but then your second thought was, I should probably not verbalize my first thought? And you were wise for doing that, for holding back, right, and controlling. Because that's what, you know, one of the fruits of the Spirit is self-control. Yeah, so we've all had thoughts about a situation, about a person, or we had an idea to share, and we thought better, <laughs> and we didn't do it. I think that's what happens sometimes, though, when people are distant from each other. They let things fly. They, let, they say things that they would never say in person. And it's one of the reasons we should know each other. Hmm. I, I don't mean every person's going to know every other person on a deep level. That's not possible. But we should all have parts of the body of Christ that we know we're, we're, we're close to. We look them in the eye. When they say something, we don't only, only hear what they say, but we, we recognize the heart from which it's coming. And if they blow it, we see them as a person rather than someone we can just criticize. It's easy to criticize people who blow it when you don't know them. But when you know them and you know their heart and you know they just made a mistake and you know you're going to be much more merciful in their life. Praise God. They have this going on, this uh, you know, unity thing, this one accord thing. And it, it, it produced a lot of good stuff. One of my desires is to always lift I want our services to be this way. I want our church to be this way. People come in, they leave higher than they left. Uh, they leave higher than they came. All right. They, they, they're stronger than they came. They're happier than when they came. Their, their life is better. I want people's marriages to be better. They're, I want them to have more money. I want them to have better home life, better business life, better relationships, just all better health, all around better stuff. Okay. It's one of my, my goals is to continually lift people up. But I've recognized this, that... Um, for that to happen at its maximum potential, this, what we're doing right here, cannot be the sum total of ministry. Okay? What we're doing in this gathering, in this meeting today, and as we do regularly, is only one part, one aspect of ministry. It's only one element of how the Spirit of God will move through a person to someone else or move through an individual or move through a, a local body of Christ. And, and if, we're, if this is the only part that we have, um, that we partake in as believers, then we're, we'll benefit from it. There's a lot of good things that can happen, but we won't be fully well-rounded. We won't uh, be able to receive everything the Lord has intended for us to receive as 
being a part of the local body of Christ, being a part of his family. Okay? And so, that being said, we've got to engage in other parts. I think it's necessary. All right? Even in the ministry of Jesus, you'll, you'll notice that many times when he preached to the crowd, people went away confused. Didn't they? I mean, they were impressed. Like, wow. And, of course, healings and stuff going on, a lot of good ministry. And, but he would preach, and he would do things, and they'd be like, wow, that's powerful. And then they'd go away saying, I don't know what that meant. <laughs> Didn't they? I mean, the disciples frequently did. They, 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 Jesus would teach in parables, and they'd pull him aside and say, what are you talking about? <laughs> what did that mean? And then he would explain it to them in a small group, wouldn't he? In, 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 in that environment, they would get more understanding and revelation. I mean, Jesus at times, he would preach things. This is, I find this interesting. And people wouldn't understand, and he didn't even take time to explain. <laughs> I mean, one day when he was teaching about, hey, everybody's got to drink my blood and eat my flesh, you know, and half the crowd got mad and left. <laughs> and they said, what is he talking about? He didn't even try to explain it. He just left it with them. Let the, you got to chew on that for a while. Huh? And then, but when the disciples, when he was with them, how many know he did? He, said, he talked about things being of the Spirit. My words are spirit, and they are life. The flesh profits nothing. And they began to see the spiritual side of what he's teaching. But not everyone in the crowd got that. And I wonder sometimes uh, for individuals who only have their involvement in the kingdom, in the body of Christ, in the crowd if they are missing out on some real revelation, some answers, some truth, some explanation. They're missing out on a work of God that happens in a smaller environment. Okay? And what I'm for is like all of the above. Say, which one's better? Everything. You know? It's like, what do you like better? You know, corporate worship meetings or being by yourself? Yes. Absolutely. What do you like better, teaching or preaching? Yes. I want it. I mean, honestly, I want anything and everything that God's doing. And I don't want to, because of my preconceived idea and notion, thing, and say, this is how God moves. This is how I know it. I don't want to limit the, the capacity of my life to receive His fullness. That can be said in a number of areas, but let me come back. Uh, uh, Jesus got along with his disciples and he'd explain stuff to them. There is value in Q&A, <laughs> isn't there? There's value in times to discuss and talk and share. This is what's going on, you know. And the disciples come to Jesus and say, hey, we tried to cast out this demon and it didn't go out. And, and, you know, and then he got to tell them why. It wasn't pleasant for them, but it, <laughs> he got to tell them why that didn't work. Well, if you've tried something and it didn't work, did you find the answer why? See, many times they don't have that, people don't have that environment. They don't have that opportunity. And they just flounder in a situation where they continually don't know why stuff isn't working for them. And there's always a reason. Always. Always a reason. And it's never, God's ways are mysterious. And you can never tell what God's going to do. That's never the answer. That's a bunch of religious baloney, someone trying to explain something they don't understand. Huh? Anyway, I didn't plan on saying that, but uh, whatever. <laughs> Amen. Many of you know that we are gearing up 
for a fall semester of our life groups, formerly known as R12 groups. And uh, I'm excited about what is about to transpire and, and what's going to happen in individuals' lives as a result of not only being in the crowd and being in the big meeting, but also then being together in fellowship type of situations. These are going to look a lot of different ways, a lot of variety of looks. And uh, a lot of it, though, is to tell you the truth, it's just an excuse to get together. Because good things can happen when the body of Christ gets together. When we can be with one another, pray for one another, uh, enjoy each other's fellowship, and share what God has been doing, what's working, what's not working, like we've been talking about. Uh, good, really good things can happen. I know a lot of people have become stagnant in their, in their life. I, I know some feel like, I've got all these changes I need to make. I really need to improve in all these different areas of my life. And because it seems so daunting, they never take any steps forward. They never move at all. And I just want to encourage everyone just to take one step forward. Just move forward a, a, a little bit. I mean, what, what if over the next few months you could find, identify one area in your life and you took a spiritual step forward in one area? I mean, that would really produce a lot of good results. Think about what could happen over a year when someone would do that instead of just perpetually thinking, well, this is just the way I am. These are my struggles. This is, these are my issues. And they stay in the same place year after year. Uh, go with me over to the book of Second Timothy. And I want to share with you in the rest of this message today something that I believe is absolutely the heart of God for every one of us and something we should get a hold of. It will produce great results in us and around us. You remember we're not to be a swamp. We're to have an inlet and an outlet, right? This is essential for our spiritual freshness, if you will. Second Timothy uh, chapter 2, chapter 2, Paul writing to Timothy, who is his, his son in the faith, spiritual son, if you will. He, he said in verse 1, You therefore, my son, be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. And the things that you have heard from me among many witnesses, commit these to faithful men, who will be able to teach others also. Now I want you to consider this uh, exhortation, if you will, that Paul is giving to Timothy. He's sharing with him something that we all need to get. God never intended for what He gives you to stop with you. Never was it His intention that you get a word a gift, an anointing, a call, a blessing, and that's the end of it. Where he is satisfied just with the fact that you are enjoying what you received. But rather, what God gives us is supposed to hit other people around us too. You know, it's like catch this water balloon. <laughs> What? Well, you got it, and so did everyone sitting next to you, <laughs> everyone, everyone around you. The, the Word of God, the, the things of God are supposed to come to us and then hit others around us as well. Notice the four levels here in this verse. 
He said, the things that you receive from me, so number one is Paul. Paul got, and he did get a lot of revelation directly from the Lord. But he said, Timothy, the things you got from me, so there's Paul, then there's the next level, Timothy. He said, commit these to faithful men, right? And so Timothy wasn't just supposed to say, oh yeah, good stuff, Paul, man, that was awesome. You are flowing in it, and it's working for me, and I'm enjoying it. He said, no, Timothy, take what I've given you and give it to somebody else. Commit it to faithful men who what? Will be able to, number four, teach others also. So you can see that what God gives one, He sees it going to the next one, and to the next one, and to the next one. But never just one and stop, or even two and stop. Really, not even four and stop. God's plan has always been, give it to one who will give it to another, who will give it to another, who will give it to another. We were designed and called to reproduce, to make more, to share what we have. And if there is not an environment, an outlet, an expression of this somewhere in our lives, it is greatly restricting our personal spiritual development. Praise God. I'll show you that in a minute. But God didn't just see you, but the generations you can impact. I know sometimes people, I've had individuals tell me, I'm looking for a mentor. Looking for someone to mentor me. Looking for someone to help me in that regard. And that's admirable. That's fine. Someone recognizes they, they could use someone else's assistance. That's really what we're talking about. But if, you've ever fe- if you ever feel like that, I need someone to kind of coach me along. Well, why don't you coach someone else along? Why don't you mentor someone else? Because certainly you know something that someone else doesn't. Certainly you've had an experience. I mean, the very fact that you recognize a need for someone else to help you move forward. You can help someone else move forward. Psalm 145 is a, is a good one. Verse 4. It reads, One generation shall praise your works to another and shall declare your mighty acts. But notice, one generation to who? To another. Not one generation will praise you and just dance in the glory and celebrate and have a good time. Amen. No, but they'll praise you to another. They'll share it. They'll continue the message going forward. I've met uh, different couples uh, that for some reason were struggling or unable to have children. My experience with those couples that wanted to have children that for some reason were unable to conceive or bring a child full term or something, it it was often a great sadness in them, a great disappointment. I mean, they were looking forward to it. There's something in them that that just really wants to have a a baby. And when they're unable to, you know, you really feel, feel for them in that regard. There's something about that, though, I believe is true concerning all of us spiritually. Let me show you this from the very beginning. Turn to the first part of your Bible. Back to the leather. Then go forward to Genesis 1. Or pleather for some of you. (laughs) Or hardback or digital, whatever. Uh, Genesis chapter 1. 
Genesis, of course, book of beginnings. A lot of times you can look there and see the way God intended things, even before sin got involved. All right? In Genesis 1, notice with me over here in the 11th verse. Genesis 1, 11. Then God said, Let the earth bring forth grass, the herb that yields seed, and the fruit tree that yields fruit according to its kind, whose seed is in itself on the earth. And it was so. And the earth brought forth grass and the herb that yields seed according to its kind, and the tree that yields fruit, whose seed is in itself according to its kind, and God saw that it was good. God saw that it was what? Good. He liked this. This is the way He created it. It's the way He created the plant life, uh, the natural earth. What? Not that He would create a plant and or a bunch of plants and trees and so forth. And then if there ever needed to be another plant or a tree, then He would create another one. I mean, in one sense, you would think that wouldn't be a bad system. I mean, He's the Creator, and if we ever need more, He could just make a new one, right? Doesn't seem like too bad a system, but that's not the way He wanted it. God didn't just want to be the Creator, period. He wanted to create things that create things. He wanted to create plants that had, look at the language, whose seed is in itself. So everything he creates then has the, the ability to produce another one. Yeah. Let, let, let's, let's get how God thinks. How God thinks. Not he wants to maintain his creator position. I create everything and nothing is created outside. No, he creates things that create. Verse 26 then. Go down a little bit. Verse 26. Then God said... Let us make man in our image, according to our likeness. How many know you're like God? Yeah, God's like us, we're like Him. That sounds, you know, heretical. That's right there. (laughs) God created us to be like Him. What's God like? He's like you. What are you like? Well, you're like God. Now, this is before sin. There's none of that in Him. But take that out. Yeah, we're like Him. Okay? Then he he said, according to our likeness, let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the air, over the cattle, over uh, over all the earth, and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. Then God blessed them. And God said to them, be fruitful and multiply. Fill the earth and subdue it. Have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the air, and over, and over every living thing that moves on the earth. So God created us like Himself, which is what? Creators. Just like He did the plant life, He put the seed in there. And He said, okay, this stuff is looking good. Everything's looking really nice. All the plants and trees, everything going on. And now, now, now God said, it's plural there, the Father, Son, and Spirit. Uh, they said, God said, let us, let's make man. And let's make man two ways. Make a, a male man and a female man. Right? That's what he's saying. We'll make a male and female. And we're going to make them so they can do like us. They can create more of them. 
And that's the way, it, and that's normal to us. We think about biology, we think about natural life. There's something working in the human race. We keep making more, don't we? I mean, there's a bunch of us now. <laughs> I mean, we are all over the place. Even when people die, we make new ones. And it keeps more and more and more. And that's a God thing. God created us not only with the ability, but with the desire to reproduce. The plants like to make more plants. The trees like to make more trees. You know, you burn a forest down, or usually accidentally, you know, a forest burns down. What happens after so many years? There's a new one there. Because the seeds still stayed there. Things reproduce by God's design. We reproduce by God's design. Amen. Now, when we come over to spiritual stuff, is it different? It's not. Remember with the, 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 some of the last words of Jesus? He left His disciples. In other words, He made a bunch of people like Him while He was walking around the earth. They were followers of Him. They were disciples. They started healing the sick and casting out demons and preaching the gospel and acting like Him. And Right? And then he told them right before he went to heaven, go into all the world and make what? Disciples. Make disciples. In other words, I've made you guys like this. I've helped you to become what you are. Now make a bunch more like you. That was his plan in creation. It was his plan in the natural creation and human beings. It's his plan in his kingdom, his spiritual kingdom, that we all reproduce ourselves. Now, what if someone is created to do one thing, but they don't do that thing? That's certainly where people find a level of discomfort, dissatisfaction, feeling like there's something missing. I mean, you know what I'm talking about? This is definitely one of those areas where someone, if they live their lives not according to their design, eventually they, they, reach, a, they reach a ceiling. They reach a block. They can't go forward. They can't grow anymore. They can't expand anymore. There's something that keeps them from experiencing the fullness of what God intended for them. So what needs to happen is an avenue for reproduction. Yeah, through all of us. Different calls, different gifts, different anointings, different environment. But all of us are supposed to do this. Huh? Someone said, I don't know if I can do that. Well, absolutely you can. It's, it's actually built into your system. It's, the, it's built into your spirit. It's built, it, it might not look like what's, what it does with someone else. So I can't do what you do. You, maybe you're not supposed to. Maybe I'm not supposed to do what you can do. I see some other individuals like that. I, ooh, I can't do that. Why? It's their gift. It's their grace. But we should all be involved in this. Look, look at Hebrews, uh, the fifth chapter. Opposite side of the book. Hebrews, the fifth chapter, and verse 12, Paul, I believe who wrote Hebrews, writes to these guys, in Hebrews, Hebrews 5 and verse 12, for though by this time you ought to be teachers, and now stop for a moment, you ought, he's talking to Hebrew believers, now let me ask you a question, is every person in a church or in this case, these Hebrew believers, were all of them called to a teaching ministry? No, they all don't have a gift to explain, 
to teach others. Okay, so don't look at it in that respect because he is writing to all of them and he said, you all ought to be teachers now. By this time, it's been long enough. You ought to be teaching people stuff. So he's not specifically talking about a, a, a spiritual calling, per se, in the sense of gifting. Like everyone's gifted to be a teacher. Think of it more in a broad sense. Everyone can tell someone else what they know. Everyone can share their experience what they've learned, what God has shown them, what, what, what they've gone through and how they've overcome, that kind of stuff. Everyone can do that. He said, for by this time, you ought to be doing this. But you need someone to teach you again. Notice that. That's interesting. You need someone to teach you what? Again. In other words, they weren't in their spiritual condition because they hadn't been taught. They were in their spiritual condition because of what they hadn't done with what they've been taught. Because they didn't use it for the divine purpose that God gave it to them, they shrunk back. They went back to the bottle. Let's keep reading. For by this time you ought to be teachers. You need someone to teach you again the first principles of the oracles of God. You have come to need milk and not solid food. For everyone who partakes only of milk is unskilled in the word of righteousness. For he is a babe. But solid food belongs to those who are of full age. That is, those who by reason of use have had their senses exercised to discern both good and evil. So they heard it. They, they, they drank the milk. Right? They received some good word. Uh, But what they didn't do with it is use it. Because, he said, said, uh, those who are of full age, they are skilled in the word of righteousness. Why? Because of their reason of use. Their maturity allows them to discern good and evil. They know right from wrong. They can recognize they are very discerning. Right? But the way, the way they arrived at that place is by using what they have. What do you mean using? We were designed not only to benefit personally from all the promises of God, all the blessings of heaven, but we were designed to let them flow through us to somebody else. And if they don't ever flow through us, if we don't ever put them out there, we don't ever let God use us and teach, as it's said here, others, then we will hit a wall then we will come up to a a restricted area in our spirituality and we will not move forward. And I believe it's the reason why some individuals have stayed in the same spiritual condition for a long, long time. And they have to be taught again and again and again and again because they don't get into a place of reproducing themselves in someone else. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I'm telling you guys, God designed us for this. He designed, He designed, says, well, not me. No, you. Uh, that would be you. Yeah. <laughs> Many people have had plenty of time being a Christian, and it's time to intentionally lead others. I mean, on purpose. Put yourself in a position to speak into, share with, to lead, to, to do something that will help someone else's life. I know... Uh, um, God's plan for our community, for our city. You, you know what it is? Uh, that would be you. In other words, there is no plan B. 
God doesn't have plan B to reach the world. His desire is for all to come to a knowledge of the truth, for everyone to know Him, for everyone to experience Him. And He doesn't have a backup plan. There is no, well, if they don't do it, then I'll do this. No, it's just pretty much, I'm turning over to, turning it over to you guys and uh, do it. Yeah. So you know what, you and I, we are God's plan to reach the world in our area and beyond our area to whatever degree He wants us to and calls us to. And uh, we are God's plan. He's going to reproduce His kingdom, His life, His authority, His love, His power in people through us. Yeah. Say, so, well, that's, I don't know if I like that. Yeah, you do. You do really do. Because you were designed for this. The seed is in you. The seed is within itself. There's something that when we have these things activated in our lives, it produces what we were made for. It's like, yeah, man, I was made for this. This is what I love. This is what I do. This is God all over me. And you'll grow and you'll expand and you'll, you'll go places you've never gone in God. And so will a bunch of other people. And a bunch of other people. And a bunch of other people. And a bunch of other people. As we each are living in this place of living a reproducing life. Amen. Praise God. We lead others simply by doing what others should do. You know, what's working for you? Because you know what? What's working for you and you might even take for granted? There's a bunch of other people that haven't figured that out yet. There are people that are struggling with something you used to struggle with. There are people that don't even have a clue what the answer is to something you take for granted because it's like second nature to you. You know that. You learned that a long time ago. Someone else doesn't know it. And your knowledge to them is a drink of fresh water. It really is. Can you listen to people? Can you be understanding with, with others? Can you have genuine Christian fellowship? See, these are just some of the base components necessary for God to start working through us in a way that many times He hasn't been able to. Because we're busy. We've got stuff going on. And we haven't recognized our purpose, our call, our design in life. I'm talking this way and teaching these things for a couple reasons. One, it's true, uh, and it's true for all of us all the time. But also, as I, as I stated earlier, I'm looking for God to move on people's hearts. I'm wondering who God will, will stir up even right now as we're talking and will stir your heart up to lead, a, to lead a life group because there's something in you needs to come out. And I'm confident there's a stirring going on. And some are interested in, in going, in going this, this route. In fact, after this service, we have a special training going on. Had one after the first. We're going to have two more next week for those who weren't ready. Uh, uh, but right after this service, 10 minutes after this service gets over, uh, there'll be training for anyone. You don't have to be signed up. And there's food, too. Praise God. <laughs> and uh, for anyone, you can go, and we're going to go through the leader training. To, and, and if you have, the, have any interest at all, 
please check it out. Go check it out. If God's stirring your heart, definitely check it out. And go through it, and you can see and decide and, and find if this, uh, if this is what, what would be right, the right expression for you and your gifting and your knowledge and your maturity and, and everything that God's been doing in your life for a while. And you can find that God will lead you and use you powerfully. You don't have to be a public speaker. You don't have to be a, have to be a teacher in the strict sense of the word because that's really not what they're primarily about. They have a lot of different, a lot of different, uh, you know, focuses. You know, some are for men, and some are for women, and some are focused on marriage, and 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 some are uh, focused on on youth. Or some people just like to pray, and they that's their group. Or some like to they want to study the word, and that's what their group's about. And uh, but it's all around fellowship. Some like to knit or something. Fine, do it. What kind of, what, you know, what would you like to go to? What, what, what would interest you? Why don't you create that group yourself? We want to empower you. We want to enable you and create an atmosphere where God can work in a, in a very unique and special way. And so someone said, I don't really like any of that. I just like to hit a little white golf ball around. Then do that and talk about Jesus after hole nine. You know what I'm talking about? I'm saying these, the, el- the, the principles, the elements of, of getting together can manifest in many ways. And it's not just, you know, a small little square that we have to fit everything into. We want the Spirit of God to have free reign and use us in, a, in accordance with our own gifts and abilities and, and talents. But we want to live a reproducing life, all of us. Amen. Everybody Okay. Anybody excited yet? Because I can preach longer. Trust me. Amen. I pray that the Lord is, uh, and I'm confident He is, uh, stirring people's hearts, whether, and I realize not everyone is going to be in a leadership capacity in that regard, but all of us should recognize this environment that we want to be a part of, where there can be a giving and receiving and sharing of what God has done. And mm, good things are going to happen as a result of that. Some of you are already there. I know it. You're flowing in it. You're living in, the, in your own gifting and your own ability. And God is using you. And you're thriving as a result. And you want others to have the same, don't you? Praise God. Let's pray today. Father, we love you. We serve you. With all of our hearts, we do. We acknowledge and, and, and thank you. And we say thanks for your presence. Oh, for the great and mighty Holy Spirit who leads us into all the truth. Thank you for working in us today so that we might know your will and that we might be in the center of your plan, that we might reproduce ourselves in somebody else. Lord, that we might be involved in laying hands on the sick and seeing them recover that we might be involved in sharing your love with another. Lord, thank you that you've picked us, you've chosen us to be a part of sharing your love with the world. We take up our place, we take up this responsibility with reverence and with gladness. Thank you for working in us today. Thank you, Lord. Out of the belly flows rivers of living water. I thank you there's a stirring down, in the, down on the inside in the spirits of your people. 
thank you, Lord. But, Father, may it be a stirred, a stirring unto change, not a stirring that leaves us the same. But we yield to you and act on your word in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.